Welcome to Leading Lights. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more information and resources. My name is Greg and I'd like to talk to you about a concept in the Bible called the law. It's quite a confusing concept for a lot of people. The law for some people is the thing that they think defines God. They think of God and they think of a lawgiver, a judge, a person who is keeping records of our rights and wrongs. And the law becomes the main thing in the Bible for them. But I want to show you today that the law was something that was added only for a short period of history and a short part of the Bible. And it is not the whole definition of God and it is not the whole definition of the Bible. Galatians 3 verse 17, Paul says, And this I say that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. What's that talking about? The Bible is saying there, Paul is saying that the law, this thing that we assume is the whole of the Bible, actually was added 430 years after a promise was made by God to a man called Abraham. And so God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you and you will be a blessing. And through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. It was a promise that God gave. And in God's mind, he was thinking ahead to Jesus arriving on planet earth as the savior of the world. You remember that the world was in a mess because mankind had sinned. We'd rebelled against God. God had given us the keys to planet earth and we had driven it off the road and driven it to the wrong way. And rather than coming in and just taking the wheel of the car back, God said, I'm going to send a savior but it's going to take a process of time for a nation to be created, for that nation to be fashioned into what I want it to be. And then out of that nation for the Savior Jesus to be born. And until that happens, 430 years after the promise was given to Abraham, God said, I'm now going to implement the law. And we're going to see later that the purpose of the law was to just keep us safe and keep the nation of Israel safe so that the Messiah could be born, so that salvation could come. The law was never the main thing. And for much of the Old Testament, right up until when Moses received the law, which was 430 years after Abraham, there was no law. Now, that's quite a stunning thing for a lot of people. People think the whole of the Bible is laws and rules, but actually there was a time when the law was given and it was 430 years after the promise to Abraham. So why was the law given? I'm just going to give us three purposes of the law. Number one, the law was given to show us our need for a savior, to give us a knowledge of our own sinfulness and our own inability to be good. Now, this is quite a, a startling fact for some people. They say, what? To show me that, I, that I'm not good? Is that what the law is about? The Bible says, in Romans 3 verse 19, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. So we see that the law was given to make us realize that we need a savior. The problem is that mankind, when we left our, to ourselves, we start to think we're quite great. And we think we don't need a savior. I'm fine. I'm, I'm not that bad. 
And so one of the main purposes of the law was to stop our mouths, to stop our pride and to show us a righteous standard that we could compare ourselves against, not to fix us, but to make us realize our need for a savior, to make us guilty. The, the verse goes on in verse 20 to say, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Another verse in Romans 5 verse 20 says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So the first purpose of the law was to show us our need for a savior by making us aware of just how bad we were. And, and sin abounds because we realize, wow, I, I thought I was okay. But when I compare myself to the pure and perfect standard of the law, I realize how bad, bad I am. I hope that's not making you upset and unhappy because there's good news to come. So the first purpose of the law to show me my need. The second purpose of the law was to keep mankind and especially the nation of Israel from destroying themselves. You know, if we're left to ourselves, not only do we think we're fine, but actually we're dangerous to ourselves. We hurt ourselves. Sin damages families, individuals, whole nations and whole societies. And if we were left to ourselves, sin would have ravaged the world and especially the nation of Israel. And it's very likely that it wouldn't have been possible for Messiah to be born into a nation. So the second purpose was to try and keep things together, not to fix the problem. It's a bit like a band-aid being put over a broken arm. It's not to fix the problem. It's just to just to show us that there's a problem there and to keep us from destroying ourselves. Let me read you a couple of verses. Galatians 3 verse 19 says, What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. Did you see that? It was added because of transgressions until the solution could come. Because sin was in the world, there was a need to just keep things under control to a certain degree. And he goes on to say, and it was appointed through the hand of angels by the hand of a mediator. But before faith came, this is verse 23, we were kept under God by the law, kept for the faith which would afterwards be revealed. And then verse 24 sums it up by saying, Therefore the law was our tutor or our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. So we've now got another picture and that is of a schoolmaster who teaches us and brings us to the place where we can then find the real solution, which is God. And then the third purpose of the law is to give us a guide on what righteousness really is what God's holy and perfect requirements are so that we will always know it's not going to help us to meet those requirements, but it gives us a guide to what they are. So Romans 8 verse 3 says, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. What that's saying is that the law showed us how we should live, but it could never help us live like that. And God did it by sending Jesus, who then enabled the Holy Spirit to be poured into our hearts to enable us to live right. One illustration that I found very helpful is if I go 
to the hospital if I've broken my arm and they take an x-ray of my arm and they show me that my, my bone is broken in a certain place and they might hold up another picture of what the bone is supposed to look like, what a healthy arm bone looks like and I compare it and I see the x-ray of my broken bone and I see the picture of what a bone is supposed to look like and I say, oh, I understand. I am broken. I need help. That is what the law is supposed to do. If, if I was then to take that x-ray and I was to try and wrap it around my broken arm and say, oh, x-ray, please would you help my broken arm be healed? I would be completely foolish because the x-ray has no power to heal my arm. I hope you're seeing this. The law shows us our need. It shows us what we should look like, but it has no power, the Bible says, to help us to be good. And the problem is many, many people, many good people are looking at the law in the Bible and they see their need. They see that they fall short of God's righteous standard, but then... They try to use the law to live right. They say, if I can, by my flesh and by my own strength, try my hardest, if I can obey the law, then, I, then I'll be good and I'll be acceptable to God. And the Bible says again and again and again, the Lord just shows us our need. It cannot help us be good. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are the only way that we can live for God. I hope that's clear to you. I'd like to just close this talk by saying, what effect does the law have on us now, people who are in relationship with God. Because there's many people who have found Jesus and who have found the Holy Spirit and found this power to live right, but then the law comes back to them as a little bit of a, um, a, a, a temptation. There's, there's this thing in the back of our minds that says, if I can just keep the law, then I'll please God. Even though I've been saved by grace and God's gift, let me just try and keep the law. And actually what it does is it's not just powerless, it actually has a negative effect on Christians. So let me read you just a couple of verses. Romans 7 verse 5 says, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. I wonder if you saw that. It says the sinful passions that were aroused by the law we're at work in our members, in our bodies, to bear fruit to death. In other words, the law not just shows me my need. It doesn't just show me how sick I am. It actually has the effect of arousing temptation and sinful desires in me. You say, really? Is that really true? Well, let me read you the next verse. Verse 7 of Romans 7 says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetousness or lust, that's what that word means, unless the Lord said, you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Isn't that interesting? Christian, it's possible that you've been saved. You've received the glorious salvation of grace. And you've said, thank you, God, for forgiving me and washing me in the blood of Jesus. But then a law has come and you've thought, let me obey the law. Let me be good. Let me try by my flesh to be good. And actually what it does is it produces sinful desire in us. As soon as the commandment comes, sin revives in us and makes us feel dead again. And many Christians are feeling guilty 
and condemned because the law has come after they've been born again and they're trying to live by the law again. I'm going to read you a couple more verses. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 56 says, The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. Isn't that fascinating? The strength of sin is the law. As I put more and more of those commandments onto myself, sin gets stronger. Why is that? Because I'm focusing on my flesh. I'm trying to use my my willpower and my own strength to be good. And the flesh is not the solution. The spirit is the solution. I must look at grace and what God has done for me rather than trying to rely on my own goodness and, and working according to the law. There's one more Uh, verse or passage that I'd like to show you and it's the illustration of marriage from Romans chapter 7 starting from verse 2. Paul says, for the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. So he's talking about a woman married to a man and she says as long as she's married to that man, as long as he's alive, she is married to him. She's his wife and she must be faithful to him. It goes on to say, but if the husband dies, she's released from the law of her husband. So he's comparing the law, the Old Testament rules, all 613 rules in the Old Testament. He's comparing them to a husband. He says, you as a human being, maybe you were trying to please God based on the law and it was like a husband to you. You felt like you had to obey its rules. It's a bit like a lady who every morning when her husband goes to work, he leaves her a list of things to do. Clean the floor, cook the food, wash the dishes, mend my socks, do all these things. And she's married to this husband who is always right. She can never argue with him because he's right. When he says, you should have done this, she says, yes, you're right, I should have. But he gives her no love and he gives her no help. He does, he's powerless to give her the the help that she needs to do what he's asking her to do. So she's married to this husband called Mr. Law. It goes on in verse 3. It says, So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Okay, so he's saying there's a possibility that this marriage to the law can be ended by death, And then you can marry another man. And I'm imagining another man who's loving, who's kind, who doesn't leave lists of things to do every morning. And he loves her and he helps her and she loves him. And she serves him out of love and joy rather than out of duty. Verse 4 says, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another. What's that saying? It's saying your husband didn't die. The law didn't die. He lives forever. Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away, but the law will never pass away. So the law will never die. But you, through Jesus, died to the law so that you can be married to another. And he goes on to say to him who was raised from the dead that we should bear fruit to God. Isn't this amazing? Verse 5 says, for when we were in the flesh... The sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in, the, in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we've been delivered from the law, having died to what we were, were once held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So we can serve and love our new husband and he gives us power by putting his spirit in us. And it's serving in the newness of the spirit rather than serving in the oldness of trying to obey a list of rules. My picture of the lady married to a new husband who she loves 
Imagine that lady is sitting on her on her couch one day and her hand feels behind her and she finds in the couch one of those old lists that her previous husband used to give her every morning to do. And she reads through it, wash the dishes, clean the floor, mend my clothes, cook some food, do all these things. And she looks through the list and she realizes that for her new husband, who never gives her a list, she is actually doing all of those things and more, but out of love and out of joy because it comes from within her. There's a power within her to do it. Friend, you and I can live and serve and obey all the commandments of the law, but not because it's a list of rules that we must keep, but because we love God and His Spirit is within us. The law, if we try to obey it, will make us weak as a Christian. But if we look at God's grace and what He's put inside us, and we love Him and serve Him in that way, without worrying, am I guilty? Have I broken a law? We trust God that we are righteous because of Jesus' blood. Suddenly this power comes within us and we serve our new husband out of love and gratitude. And it's greater than the law could ever be. I pray that this helps you today. God bless. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.